The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. This story, again, familiar, but after a long day of teaching and preaching, Jesus and his disciples, understandably, are weary and tired. And they, they gather up whatever they had been using throughout that day, and they go up into a ship. And uh, certainly the disciples, at least on their mind, now Jesus, of course, knew what was going to happen, but on their mind must be, hey, I can't wait to get a bite to eat, and a little bit of rest, a little bit of fellowship with the Lord, and just a peaceful evening as we go across the sea this night and reach until whatever God has in planned and in store for us tomorrow. And so they go in with that mindset. And Jesus says a statement. We read it in the first verse there, verse 35. He says, let us pass over unto the other side. And so they go in. And then suddenly, as they're going across this sea, in the middle of the sea, the wind begins to blow. And the waves start to get higher. And, uh, and the boat that's carrying Jesus and His disciples starts to get overflooded, and, and water starts to come in on the sides of the boat. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of a storm. A storm they never expected. A storm that is, that is so powerful and so uh, bringing so much fear that these men who are, who are accomplished fishermen, who are used to being in the water and, and on a boat in the water, and have surely you know, weathered other storms in their history and in their experience, but right now, they're worried that they're about to die. That's how bad this storm is. I mean, and it came up out of nowhere. They didn't expect it. They weren't planning for it. They didn't, you know, they had no uh, uh, hint that it was going to come. And yet there it was, right in the middle. And and they were suddenly uh, in fear for their lives. And all of them, as you can just picture it as we read the story, I'm sure that all of them were working frantically, trying to throw the water out of the boat. As, again, even if you're not a fisherman, somehow we, we know that that's what we're supposed to do. You know, you get buckets, you throw it out. If you have a hat, I've seen that on the cartoons before. You know, you're getting the water out any way that you can. And so here are these experienced fishermen who, again, have weathered many storms doing, you know, just the last desperate thing that they can do, trying to get the water out of the boat. And so everybody is working frantically. I can imagine the the shouts that are going back and forth and just imagine the chaos that's going on in in that boat. Everybody's doing that except for one person. That person, Jesus. He's asleep in the back of the boat. And I mean, it, this wasn't just, look, at, if, you, if you notice there, it wasn't that just that he kind of fell asleep. I mean, I think we've all done that before. We did, I've done it driving a car before. That's not a wise thing. All right, but, you know, just falling asleep, didn't plan it, and all of a sudden, you know, some of you are doing it right now just to show me you know what I'm talking about. So that's good. All right, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. All right, so anyway, they, they're, not Jesus. Here's Jesus. He planned to go to sleep. He found a pillow, and he said, I'm going to just lay this pillow down, and I'm going to go to sleep. I mean, this wasn't like just nodding off. This was, I'm going to stretch out and put a, put a pillow down and go to sleep. And so here they are working frantically, afraid for their lives, and there's Jesus as peaceful, you know, as, as a sleeping baby. As they might. I mean, he's, he's fast asleep with a pillow and just resting there in the back of the boat. Well, the disciples wake him up, of course, okay? Not a bad, not a bad idea. They go to Jesus. They realize this is a dire situation, and they run to Jesus and they wake him up and they ask him, Lord, don't you care that we're dying? 
Aren't you concerned? Don't you realize that we're, we're in a storm here? This is, and this is a deadly storm. This is a terrible situation. Don't you care that we're dying? We're going to drown. This whole boat is going down. Well, Jesus wakes up and without any real words to them, He, he doesn't respond to their question. He doesn't really say anything except that He gets up and He walks over and He rebukes the wind and the waves. And when He does that, an amazing thing happens everything becomes calm. I mean, as soon as he speaks, the rain stops falling. As soon as he speaks, the water, which had been, you know, just uh, about to to tip the boat over and and capsize the vessel, is calm like a sea of glass. Everything is calm, as the Bible tells us. And then, after rebuking the wind and the sea, he then rebukes his disciples, if you noticed, for having, notice what he said. Look at verse number 40. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have, look at that, no faith? He doesn't say, why is your faith weak? He doesn't use any other kind of you know, softening blow there. He says, how is it that you have no faith? If you were to look in some of the other uh, passages in, in Matthew and in Luke, in one place he says, where is your faith? Again, it's, it's, you have none. Where is it? Where did it go? And in, another, in the other passage, it says, O ye of little faith. Again, not necessarily pointing to this incident that they had little faith in this incident. He just said, overall, O ye of little faith. But in this incident, we see, he said, you have no faith. How is it that you have no faith? And so, after rebuking them for not having faith, uh, I like to think of it this way. We, we oftentimes, when we look at Scripture... We sort, of, we sort of put ourselves above those people in Scripture. With Peter, for example, oh, I wouldn't have denied Christ. With these disciples, oh, I, I would have been trusting the Lord. I wouldn't have been one of those ones with no faith. With, you know, some of these others who go, David, as we've been looking on, on Wednesday night, I wouldn't have done that. I would have, I would have kept myself pure and I would have done the right thing. But, you know, we are so much like these disciples. We, we, in our Christian life of following Christ, we often go through things, storms, if you will, with no faith. I mean, they come up. They, they, they appear out of nowhere. We're scared to death. We don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're, we think this is the end of everything, and we approach it with no faith. As if we, there's, there, you know, we, we, we look to Jesus and say, you don't, don't you even care about me? Don't you, aren't you even concerned with what I'm going through? We are so much like these disciples. Look, do we understand what it means to follow Christ? That's, that's kind of the, the bulk of the question tonight. Do we even know what it means? This story seems to show us that their expectation and understanding of following Christ and doing His will was flawed somehow. That they, 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 they did not expect this storm. Do you remember at the beginning? Who, whose idea was it to go in the boat? Jesus. He, te- he said Let's do this. This is my plan. This is my will. This is what I want to do. And so they, they obediently followed. And they went in that boat. But you know what? And this brings us to, to point number one. Storms arise in the midst of God's will. Storms do come in the middle of God's will. Don't, don't look. Many times we associate storms with, well, when I step outside of the protection of the Lord. Or when I go against what God wants. As long as I do everything that God wants, and if I follow God's will, 
There won't be any storms. Everything will be smooth sailing for me. And again, I believe that's what the disciples thought often. And how often were they disappointed with what God's will really meant? And how often are we disappointed in that way? God's will. Storms arise in the midst of God's will. What is your expectation for following Christ? I mean, how do you picture it? The life of following Christ. What does it look like to you? I'll be honest. When I, when I first decided to follow Christ, made a definite decision, not in salvation, but in serving Him and doing whatever He wanted uh, in, as His will for my life. When I first made that decision, I was in high school, uh, my expectations were far from the reality. Maybe because of you know, uh, being naive at that time, whatever the purpose was, I naturally looked at and really only heard the good things about following the Lord. You know, I sat in church, like a lot of you, you know, the young people are tonight, this church as well, and, and churches like it, where I heard people speak about, you know, preach about uh, from the Bible and give different illustrations. And oftentimes, I, you know, just kind of glazed over all the, the, the difficulties that they would talk about and remembered only, you know, the mountaintop experiences that they had. I can remember, you know, just hearing great, uh, stories of God doing great things. And again, often, because you hear it in a sermon and it takes about 45 seconds or a minute or two to go through the whole illustration, we have the idea that that's how quickly things happen in our life. And then, when real life and reality sets in and I, I, I'm struggling with something and I'm struggling with it for months and years, it's, it's just a different feeling. I, I, that's a storm. That, you know, no, I didn't realize the storms were going to come. I thought it was just going to be blue skies all the time when I trusted Christ. I thought as I followed Him, He would always lead me in the right way. But here we see, and He does always lead us in the right way, but it's not always the easy way. Here we see, in the midst of His will, the very place He wanted them to go, the storm was going to come up. He knew that. He was prepared. He was asleep as he was going through it. But he knew that that was going to happen. Storms arise in the midst of God's will. They were doing what the Lord told them. They weren't away from His will when the difficulty came. There are many times in our life when God wants us, listen to that, when God wants us to go through a storm. That's His will. That's His plan. Like he, he, He's the, you know, we always joke about the weather forecasters and how often they get things wrong. That's not Jesus. He always knows when the storms are coming. And, and again, often, many times, it's His will for those storms to come upon us. Why? What's the purpose of those storms? Well, look, I'm sure there are many, and I don't claim to have the answer to all of them, but one thing I know, God brings storms in our life because He wants to bring us closer to Him. He wants us to run toward Him. He wants us to look to Him for shelter. He wants us to find our refuge in Him. Listen, I, I, I mentioned a, a while ago uh, that when I was young, I, I, I just had the wrong expectation about what serving God was, was like. I mean, I thought, hey, once I make that decision in a, in a summer camp or whatever it is to serve the Lord, wow, it's just it's going gonna, it's gonna to be you know great thing after great thing after great thing. And I'm not saying that it, it was wrong. I mean, young people often have that optimism and just looking forward to the future. And I'm not trying to dampen that on anybody. But what I, what I am saying is that view is, is incomplete. That's not the full view of what it is to follow Christ. 
There are too many times, too many examples, too many scriptures that point to us the fact that following Christ takes commitment, it takes persistence, it's, it's difficult at times. What does the Bible say in, in 2 Timothy where it talks about uh, endure hardness as a good soldier for Christ? There would be no need to put that if there wasn't some hardness that came when you followed Christ. It's there. It comes. Think about it this way. Look, that great verse when Paul is talking to, uh, talking to the Lord about uh, a difficulty, a thorn in the flesh that he has, and he, he's asking God to remove it. He's saying, God, this storm, this thorn, this difficulty in my life, please, God, remove it. And three times he asked the Lord to do that, and God says basically no. What does he say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, listen to this, is made perfect in weakness. So do you know what that means? When God calls me to serve Him, and especially because He wants to do things in His strength. He didn't call you to do things in your own strength. Although, again, as, as Pastor pointed out this morning, we often get that idea. You know, but God didn't call you and me to do things in our own strength, in our own talents, in, in what we're good at, and what we're used to, and what we can handle. That's not what He said. He called us to show His strength to the world. You know how that's going to happen? The verse tells us, The only way His strength is made perfect is in my weakness, your weakness. So when God called me to serve Him, and when God called me to to, to show forth His strength, He was calling me to say, Justin, you're going to have a lot of times when you're going to be weak. When you're going to be doing something but not be strong enough to do it, but that's what I want. And so I look at it as as a storm, but God just looks at it, here's an evidence, here's a, 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 a revealing of the weakness of one of my children. But it's not, you know, it's not just for no reason. The reason He reveals our weakness is because when He reveals our weakness, then His strength is made perfect. You see, sometimes, many times, storms are part of God's will. It's what, it's what He wants. He, he wants me to go through that. He wants me to be too weak to go through it also. He won't always give me the strength except in Him. He's always strong enough. And he wants me to run to him. Again, I, I remember when we went to, uh, to the mission field, which again, to us, it's not the only way that you exercise faith, but certainly in our life up to this point, that was one of the big steps where, where we had to follow God's will when we didn't know what it was. And I remember Pritik and I getting on the, on the plane uh, in 2006 and, and saying goodbye. You know, here was my thing. This is showing how naive I was. I remember in, in uh, college... Uh, one of our missions uh, teachers, you know, kind of asked, we were in a class, and it was all mission students, and he, he kind of wanted us to do a report to say, what would be the thing you would do the last night before you went to the mission field? And so, you know, I, I again, just kind of out there, think, not really thinking reality. I, I wasn't even married at the time. I'm thinking, all right, what, would I, what will I do? You know, we kind of super spiritualize it and all this kind of thing. And I thought, you know, the last night before I go to the mission field, you know, when I'm ready for the plane the next day, I'm going to go and get my wife and my, my family. You know, again, wasn't even married at the time. I'm going to get my, my family. We're going to go sit somewhere and watch the sunset and kind of, you know, pray and, and sing. And, you know, and all those are good ideas. I'm not saying, but that's not what happened. You know what happened? We were packing 22 of those plastic boxes from Walmart that you buy or Target if you, if you like, okay? But we were, we were packing all those boxes. And, I mean, there was, it was chaotic. It was not like any kind of peaceful sitting back. You know, when we actually took a breath was when we were on the plane. And the only reason that that was possible is because we had no children flying to Africa when, when that happened. 
All right? And so I'm saying, look, my expectation of it was, was, you know, so far removed from what was actually there. And so even though, so we did all that, we, we take a breath. Ah, we, we thought, again, we literally took a breath on that plane and said, all right, this is now we're going into God's will. So we thought deputation was hard. Oh, we, that's all behind us. We are, you know, moving forward. Everything's going to go well. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. You know, we pictured landing there and just being welcomed by all the people and all of this, you know. And just God doing amazing things in a week or two or whatever it was going to take. You know, maybe less than that if, if we really got to business. We get there. Do you know what happened? While we were on the plane, we didn't even know about it. But Pritika's dad had a heart attack. She's the only child. And uh, literally while we're on the plane, he had a heart attack. Uh, and, and we didn't know about it for a week. You know, because we went to Africa, no phones. At least we didn't have one set up. Internet was, you know, at that time dial-up only, spotty at best. We had no idea. It was a week. Before we ever heard, they, they somehow got a message to another missionary who told us what had happened. And so here we are, within, you know, within the first week of, of landing in Africa, ready to do some amazing things for the Lord, we thought. And all of a sudden, there was a storm. I mean, we literally, we just arrived. We didn't have a return ticket. It was a one-way ticket. We, and so we're like, do we go back? What do we do? How do we, you know, what can we do? And then you have these, uh, these emotions, and again... Oh, if we'd have been there, it would have been different. Or if things, and, and you go through all of these things. But you know what it was? It was a storm. And it was a storm that God knew about. And it was a storm that God used. You know? And again, oftentimes when God brings storms into your life, I want you to have this expectation of this reality here. When God brings storms into your life, you don't always see the results you know, right away. So that storm came, but I can't point to you any like over uh, incredible result that happened because of that one storm. But I just know that God allows these storms in our life. And as they accumulate, God works through those storms to you, to, for His glory. Look, things we don't always understand God's way. In fact, we rarely do. But we need to trust. We need to rely on Him. And so, again, we, with that great and auspicious beginning, you know, we started... Uh, doing the work in Zambia. And again, it was just, there, there were great times and, and times when, when the Lord did great things and there were times when the Lord still did great things but it was in the form of a storm and He was, he was working in our life and trying to uh, have us cling to Him more. I can remember the, the one month, October. Uh, I don't remember the year. I remember it was in October because it, it was hot. Very, very hot. and It was terrible uh, as far as the heat. But we literally had no, no money. I mean, when I say no money, we had a few kwacha, and kwacha is like pennies. I mean, we had no money by the middle of the month. And uh, it was just one of those months. And, and I can remember we were in the midst of trying to uh, start a, a business for chickens for some of our, our members there. They were, you know, raising chickens and selling them and things like that. And, and we had fronted a lot of the money to help with that, probably foolishly, but we did it not knowing. And we did that, and we had no money. I mean, we were like at the 15th, the 16th of the month. And so still a couple of weeks to go, had literally no money. And so as they would sell a chicken, and I didn't realize that the chicken business was so difficult, okay, especially in Africa. Chickens die, you know, dogs come in and eat the chickens. I mean, it was just, it was a mess, okay. Everybody said, oh, get them, and then, you know, you're just like kind of adding up all the money you're going to be able to get, but it wasn't quite like that. So that's my free advice. Don't, don't start a chicken business in Africa if you ever have the opportunity. It's not a worthwhile investment. But, okay, we did, uh, and, uh, and, and so we were waiting. Like, as you would sell a chicken at that time, a chicken in, 
uh, Zambia live chicken cost about 30 kwacha, which was maybe 6 or $7 at the time. Okay, and so here we are, literally. Here, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there, but we were literally waiting for them to sell a chicken to bring it back to pay back what we had invested in it so we could buy, you know, some food, some eggs, some milk, all that kind of stuff. I mean, and it, it was a storm, but the Lord used it. And, and many others. I mean, I don't want to, again, scare you away from it, but there are storms in life. And God's will often, often uh, bring storms. He wants, a, he wants those storms to bring us closer to Him. Number two, so storms arise in the midst of God's will. Number two, motives matter as much as actions. Motives matter as much as actions. Look at verse 38. It says, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So they did the right thing. Their action was correct. They needed Jesus. They went and got him. They called him. They woke him up. All those things, good to do when you're in the midst of a storm. Run to Jesus. But notice, their, their motive and their attitude behind that question is, they, they come with an accusation. I mean, they don't come and say, Jesus, what, what do we need to do? Or, they say, Jesus, don't you care? Carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we're about to die? I mean, feel the, 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 the accusation there. and just They're basically telling Jesus, look, you don't care about us. Here we are about to die. Now here's my question to you. Were they going to die? The answer is no. Remember what Jesus said? Let us go to the other side. He said, here's my plan. Here's the end. He even told it to them, but they didn't hear it. And how often we don't hear it. He said, let's go to the other side. He, they were not going to sink in the middle of that, you know, that body of water. They were not going to die in the middle of the lake there. They were going to go to the other side. That's what Jesus said right at the beginning. Let us go to the other side. But here they are when the storms arise. They forgot what God had told them. They forgot the promises that God had made. They forgot all of that. And they start to accuse him and say, Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? Have you ever done that before? I have. In the midst of a storm, have we, have we ever accused God like that? Said, Lord... Are you, do you see me down here? Do you even care? Do you, do you, do you care that I'm going through this struggle? Do you care that, that things in my life seem to be falling apart? Do you, I mean, I hear that you care. I've, you know, these disciples have, had heard Jesus' teaching. They had been a part of seeing some amazing things, but here they are, no faith, and saying, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? I mean, doesn't that mean anything to you? Aren't you concerned for us in the least? So motives matter as much as actions. Listen to James, if you'll turn with me. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And the Bible talks about that. It says, You lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. So, uh, that's the first part. Many times we don't have because we fail to ask the Lord. Well, these disciples did go to Jesus. They did wake Him up. And many times we do also, but look at verse number 3. It says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Amiss has the idea of wrongly, improperly, or in an evil way. Here, these disciples asked amiss. 
They asked Him properly. They, they, they didn't say, Lord, help us. Whatever we need to do, let, let us know. Lord, we just need You. They weren't, that wasn't their, their attitude. That wasn't how they were coming and asking of the Lord. They said, Lord, don't You care that we're going to die? I mean, what a question to ask of the Lord. And yet that's what they did. They, they asked amiss. They accused Him wrongfully. Many times, even with that wrong heart that we have, God may answer our physical request at times. I don't know about you, but God in His grace has answered some requests like that for me. I want to read to you Psalm 106, which reminds us of a time when that happened with the Israelites, but look at the end result. Pay special attention to that. Psalm 106 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Then believed they His words, they sang His praise. Verse 13, They soon forgot His works. They waited not for His counsel, but they lusted or desired exceedingly in the wilderness. And they tempted God in the desert. They were asking God, if you remember that story with the children of Israel, they didn't like the manna anymore. And so they asked God for something else to eat for, and, and for meat and those kinds of things. And look at verse 15. It says, and He gave them their request, but He sent leanness into their soul. Many times God can do what we ask physically. But when we ask amiss, I've noticed this many times in my life, and here we see it again. When I ask amiss, there's no joy that comes from God answering that request that I have. When, when, I, when, I, call, when I accuse God, when I'm angry, He may in His grace, just like we sometimes do uh, you know, for a child who doesn't deserve it and is just you know, uh, uh, crying and whining, and we may give in, but you know what? There's no joy. Behind, that kind of, behind getting that kind of request answered from the Lord. Because we've asked amiss. And so he, it says he sent their physical request, but he also, along with it, there came leanness into their soul. There was no rejoicing. There was no joy. There was no happiness uh, with what the Lord had done there. And so many times that happens for us. When my motives are wrong, even when God does something and answers my request, There's no joy. I want you to look back in our text there. Look at verse 41. Shows us this. They feared exceedingly. Look at verse 41. So this is the result. He stopped the wind. He stopped the waves. They had been so afraid. We thought they were going to die. They called Jesus. They they, they accuse Him. They ask amiss. They, Lord, don't you care that we perish? He gets up. He does exactly what they wanted Him to do. Wind, gone. Waves, calm. He did everything they wanted Him to do. But notice, there's no joy. There's no rejoicing. There's no praising God. There's no happiness that's shown there. Look what it says. It says, and they feared exceedingly. This is amazing. They were afraid when the the rain was coming down, when the storm was at its highest. But now they feared even more than that. They feared exceedingly. Their fear went up even more than it had been before after He gave them uh, that, that, that amazing miracle and that amazing answer to their prayer. It says, and they said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Look, when they asked with the wrong motive, God, Christ answered what they asked for. But they didn't get any joy out of that. that all they got was more fear. They were more afraid than they were before. I don't know about you, but that's not the way I want. Look, I want to be able to live Resting in the Lord. Living in His joy. The joy of salvation. And what's the joy of salvation? That is knowing that I can trust Him in all things. 
That every, every situation, every storm that comes, hey, He's in the vessel if you're saved. He's, he's with you. He, and He doesn't sleep. Okay, He's with you. He's, he's there. But sometimes to you and me, it may feel like or seem like He's sleeping because He doesn't act when we would want Him to act. He doesn't do things according to our time frame or according, according to our will at all. There are times when I'm going through that storm and though he's not asleep, I feel like he is because he's not doing what I would do, you know, what, what I would tell him to do if, if he were listening to me. He's not doing what I think he should do, but that's not how it is to follow the Lord. That's not what it is to walk in his will. We've got to trust him. And so here he is. He's with you. He's in the vessel. He's going through every storm that you go through. Make sure that we keep uh, our heart right when it comes to the Lord. Make sure that we cast down those, those evil imaginations and those wicked thoughts that would have us doubt the Lord and have us accuse the Lord and say, Lord, you don't even care about me while I'm going through this. No, we need to trust that He's there, that He's got a plan. And whatever that plan is, that's the plan I want to follow. I, I can't always see the end of how it's supposed to work out. I can't always see point A and, point, and where it comes out. I don't always know the way ahead. But the Bible says that he'll, he'll, he'll give us a light unto our feet. I mean, he'll just kind of illuminate the next step that we have to take. And sometimes that next step through a storm is hard to take. Sometimes it's messy and sometimes it, it doesn't feel good and sometimes there's pain there. But again, like we looked at earlier, we need to, we're encouraged to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ because he's there with us. He's there with us. He has a plan. There's a purpose. Those storms, and here's the great promise that we've talked about often in our class on Wednesday night, but I'll I'll repeat it again. Here's the great promise from the Lord. The Lord never brings affliction into one of His children's lives without a purpose. So in other words, let's put it in a different word. He never brings a storm into your life and into my life if you're His child without a reason, without a purpose. He's He's not vindictive. He's not just, well, kind of haphazard. Oh, well, maybe a storm will be good for him today. No, everything that the Lord does has a purpose. Now, you and I don't always understand it, and that's okay. We need to trust. We need to trust. So every storm that he brings, my my reaction to that storm should be and needs to be, with the help of God, because I can't do it on my own, but needs to be one of, of, of trusting him, one of not accusing him, but but accepting the storm and, and holding on to Him in the midst of that storm, that needs to be my response to the storms that the Lord brings into my life. So we said, number one, storms arise in the midst of God's will. Number two, motives matter as much as action. And then in verse 40, we see this, that storms truly test our faith. Storms truly test our faith. You remember, he said, how is it that ye have no faith. You know, here's the, the point. Some of us don't like to hear this, don't like to think about it. But when you and I go through storms, what our faith is, is, is revealed. It's truly revealed then. It's easy to have faith, which is really not even faith, but it's easy to show faith, to put on faith, to act as if you have faith when everything is going smoothly. It's not hard to do that. Uh, in fact, but that's not when faith is needed, and it's not when faith is revealed. Faith is shown in my life and yours when times are difficult, 
when my sight does not match up with faith. Look, when, when times are smooth, then what I see and what I believe, they kind of come together. But when times are difficult, when the storm is there and the wind is blowing and the waves are coming and there's fog and you can't see, that's when you need to trust what you can't see. And so storms truly test our faith. Look, coming to church when everything's going well is not really a sign of anybody's faith. Storms are what test our faith. And the Lord knows that. He, he brings that, yes, for His purpose. Another thing is to, to let us see where we, who we truly are, what we truly are, and how much we need Him. How much we need Him. Storms, a true test of our faith. These disciples, sad to say, but Jesus said it, they had no faith. They weren't trusting His Word when he said, let's go to the other side. No faith means not taking comfort in his presence during the storm. No faith means doubting his goodness and his care when they said, carest thou not that we perish? No, uh, another way, no faith means accusing Jesus of forsaking them. And all of these things, again, I'm ashamed to say, but I've done that. I, I've been those disciples with no faith. I've been those disciples when difficulties came who just said, Lord, I guess you don't know what's going on. Lord, I guess you've left me. I know what the verse says, but mm, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't believe it. That's no faith. That's no faith. It's easy when everything's going well and we sing, you know, How Great Thou Art or Amazing Grace, all these great hymns of the faith, but how about singing those when the storm's going in your life? How about singing those when it doesn't make sense to sing those, humanly speaking. How about singing those? That's when our faith is really needed. That's when our faith is really tried and, and shown to be what it truly is. Look, the disciples probably thought they had great faith, just like you and I do. We, we often overestimate ourselves, don't we? You know, I'm sure they thought they were men of great faith. But then as soon as all it took was a storm, and we see Jesus says the truth, they had no faith. What about us? What kind of faith do we have? Are we trusting Him? Are we, are we hanging on to Him? Look, the very essence, the very point of faith is trusting Him in the difficulties and storms of life. There's no need to keep the faith when things are going well. But faith is absolutely necessary when a storm comes. And so, storms are coming for all of us. They might take different forms, they might be of different severity and, and different lengths of time and all of that, but storms are coming for all of us as we seek to follow Christ. Look, don't run away from the storm. You couldn't run away from it anyway. It's coming. It's God's will for it to be in your life and mine. But let's make sure that as we go through those storms with God's help, we ask Him to keep our hearts right. We humble ourselves. When we're going through that storm, and I hope that you know the Lord brings it to your mind as you're being battered about by, by the, the, the difficulties of life. And you're, you're, you're on the verge of just, I can't do this anymore. And Lord, I don't think you're, you're really there. And doubting His goodness and doubting that He cares for you. I, I pray that, that the Lord will bring to your mind some of these verses again and let you realize, look, I'm still here. I haven't left you. It was my plan for you to be in the middle of that storm. And when you're there, trust in Him. That's all you've got in the midst of a storm. I mean, they, they, these disciples couldn't trust their expertise in, in, in shipping. They couldn't trust their expertise in, 
you know, and how to, how to navigate on the waters. They couldn't trust any of that. You know, I'm sure that in those days they must have, you know, been able to look at the stars and navigate and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work in a storm. And so while they were in the midst of that storm, the only one they could hang on to was Jesus. And sad to say, they accused him. They had a lot to say to him. They weren't trusting in him. What about us when we're in the midst of that storm? Storms are going to come. Doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Doesn't mean that God made a mistake. Doesn't mean that, you know, he doesn't know what's going on or, or somehow you've done something wrong. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes God allows those storms to come in the middle of his will just so you'll run to him again. So you'll hold on to him again. So you'll throw down and refuse and just give up all that confidence that you put and that I put in my flesh. And so that we'll lean on him once again and say, God, this is too big for me. And God's sitting up there saying, yeah, it is. And I know that. I'm glad you finally realized that. Now come to me. Storms are coming, but he's going to be with you as you go through those storms. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.